Hi, folks. Welcome to another edition of Tom Foodery. I love that name, Tom Foodery. It makes such a splash. It's exactly right because it's uh, it's uh, nonsense. It's nothingness, but it's all connected to food. But that's the thing that makes it seem so creative. And you uh, get this from our uh, listeners all the time. They tell me that, you know, I was just sitting there listening to this and realizing uh, I'm hearing one thing and writing something else. It's, it's really different. Yeah, it's, it's just fun. It's, uh, we're just having a little fun, as my dad used to like to say. We're just having a little fun. Uh, we, we go by the almanac, though, of what you've written that applies to today's date. And according to this, today in 2007, Mr. B's opened again after Katrina. Yeah, that was uh, a, a great moment because Mr. B's was one of the last major restaurants from the whole Katrina, Katrina uh, situation uh, to actually come back and get back to work. They had sat, sat, they had sat, or they had, they have, they remained seated. For about 20 months. For about that, yeah. It's almost, but not quite uh, two because years. Because they had, like, they had apparently the garage above had uh, waterfalls cascading. It was a real problem for them, because uh, that was an old building to begin with, and uh, they really were crypticized by it. Crypticized. Yeah, that's when you we'll do a new. Green, <laughs> I, you know, like. I know. I just never heard it used that way. Okay, so Mr. B's opened for the first time since the hurricane. It was the last major reopening of a restaurant that we knew was coming back. The damage to the historic building, it had long been the home of the legendary Solaris, was freakishly severe, the result of waterfalls cascading from the parking garage above. The managing partner, Cindy Brennan, kept most of her staff together through the 20-month closing, and Chef Michelle McRaney and many of the old waiters were there to pick up where they left off. By a wonderful coincidence, Mr. B's brought the number of real restaurants in New Orleans to 809, exactly the number that were open the day before Katrina. Yep. Tom, what was Solari's? What? What was Solari's? Solari's? I hear about it, but it predates me. If you can imagine going to, uh, you know that place in Los Angeles uh, that has the pig east, you know, they have all the Italians. It, Italy. In Italy, Italy, right. And uh, they had all the, the uh, Things items. for purchase, like it was a market? Yeah, it, 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 in a lot of ways, it is a market over there, but uh, it just starts piling up and have it was an Italian market? <clears throat> Very much so. Okay. Okay. And and how far back does that go? Was Solari's uh, an I, old, I, old place? I think it may have actually been there uh, before the turn of the century. Well, what happened to it that it closed? Just the, the times changing? Uh, a very busy area, hard to work with some of the uh, equipment that was there. Uh, and it was an old was the garage was the garage in what was the old Solari? It was a garage. And okay, they, no wait, it, no. So so let me just ask you this. The garage that's there yeah. is in the place of the old Solaris. Pretty much. I think they ripped a bunch of it out after Katrina, but okay. uh, it was okay. a pretty big operation. Okay, so uh, you mean Solari's was because the garage Solari, is pretty big, so Solari's has to have been pretty big. And there was a major restaurant there too, La Papillon. No, that wasn't it. It was something like that. 
La Pav uh, Le Pavillon? No, no, no. It's one you've heard so often that Louis the Sixteenth. Louis the Sixteenth. It's like that, but I think it, I think I'll it think was. I think it was Louis the Sixteenth. No, um, it's two blocks away from that. Uh, okay. Uh, it's too bad because I would love to La have. Louisiana. Ah, okay. La Louisiana. I would love to have seen Solaris. Did you ever see Solaris? I did. Uh, my mother thought it was a great place, except except that she didn't like to buy from those old Italians. <laughs> you know, back in those days. You, you okay, my question to you is this. Um, when do you think Solari's closed? I mean, I'm not asking you for an exact date, but I didn't know anything about this place. Well, it, it more or less opened to take another uh, kind of restaurant. The first one that they took was, believe it or not, a, a, a sword-fighting uh, uh, place. Where, really? Yeah. And, 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 fencing? And it was also a Greek restaurant. Wait, fencing? Yeah, yeah. They they had this. It was wait, who, who, wait who, who did? Who did, wait, Solari's had fencing in it? Not exactly. It it was uh, it was a showbiz kind of thing going on. Uh, Solari's or La Solari's, Louisiane? Solari's, where it was when they moved over to, to, to the thing oh, set. Okay, okay. Uh, and then, and then they, one day it all, all came to a close, but you don't know what day it was? Well, I, I can't remember exactly, but no. the first restaurant that was in there was a Greek restaurant, a, a pretty good-sized one, too. And it was right on the corner where Mr. B's is now huh. with the okay. windows. And also, you may have noticed, or maybe you haven't, but uh, Mr. B's has a uh, basement. A basement. Yeah. And so did Dickie's um, yeah, right. uh, steakhouse. <laughs> Uh, so uh, you would actually go down a, a flight mm -hmm. to get in there, uh, especially Wait, to the restaurant. You mean the Greek restaurant? You would go. No, the Greek restaurant was okay. on the. On and the you level. would go down to the basement for what? <clears throat> and you would go to the, the basement, and you would. Uh, there was a, uh, a, a. It was the restaurant. That's where the restaurant was. But they also had a bar that had a Greek kind of spin to it. Uh -huh. It it was. Uh, I wish I could remember the name of it. The name, the name of the re restaurant was something. It was really kind of peculiar. Okay, so it was before Mr. B's. There was a Greek restaurant, mm -hmm. and at that time, when the Greek restaurant was there, was Solari's or La Louisiane operating next door? They were, yeah, okay. yeah. They now, both uh, took it to the very ending of it, and then they. Okay, moved so then, around. all right. So I'm just trying to get the timeline straight here. So Solari's. And La Louisiane did not operate at the same time. Is that right? Yeah. Solari's ended, then La Louisiane, then Mr. B's garage. Uh, I, I, I keep trying to get at the the date that Solari's ended. 60s. Just even. Oh, okay. 1960s. So it made it all the way that Early far. 1960s. Okay. Huh. All right. And La Louisiane. I remember when I was working at the Time Saver. This would have been in the 60s. That the place with the with the swords and the Greek food and all. Uh huh. You know, I, I'm I'm thinking about why they had the swords, and that was because in a lot of restaurants, just to show off, they'll take a bottle of wine, put it on, right? Yeah. And a right. wham, and then right. they think the There's a name the cap that, goes flying across it. <laughs> well, they, they were doing things like that. They also had a band uh -huh. that was pretty pretty swift. Uh huh. It was a, it was a, it was a okay, hip so, kind of joint. So then. Uh, so then, when the Greek restaurant ended, would have been when? I mean, 
Mr. B's opened in the 80s, the early, like, 81 or something. Actually, actually, actually that's not true. Mr. B's opened in uh, 79 because last year was their 40th anniversary. So Mr. B's opened in 79. So when do you think that the Greek place closed? The Greek place uh, would have been in the 70s. Okay. Okay, I'm I'm so curious about Solaris. I want to kind of uh, yeah, I want to kind of look that up because um, I'm a huge fan of Italy, as you know. And uh, if Solaris was like that, that uh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if was Cindy? No, Cindy was not part of um, Eatsies, was she? No, not Eatsies. I'm sorry, um, Foodies, Foodies. Do you remember Foodies? Foodies. Foodies. That was probably oh, tea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah the foodies, foodies was modeled was after in, Eatsies. In Metairie. Yeah, it was modeled after Eatsies. So I'm wondering if there was a, an element of Solaris in it also. But but all of the people who were involved in Foodies were about my age. So maybe they didn't really have an experience with Solaris either. All right, let's move on. Ruth Fertel died today I in 2002. You did? For where? <laughs> Uh, I have a, a, an old magazine, and it has a photograph in it of of, of her. She looked uh, pretty better than I thought she looked. <laughs> so uh, you saw this picture of Ruth in an old New Orleans magazine? I think so, yeah. Well, and, and you said she was good-looking when she was younger? Yeah, yeah, she was really? very well-dressed up. And, yeah. uh, and I, I know that is kind of normal because I've had lunch with her about three or four times and dinner a couple of times. And I've gotten the idea about how she is. She's a really very nice person. She certainly was, was yeah. All right, so uh, what you have in here for Ruth Fertel is the world's most successful female restaurateur brought the old Chris Steakhouse on Broad Street in New Orleans with almost all the money she had in 1965. She turned it into the leading chain of premium steakhouses with over 100 locations all over the world. Ruth's Chris, as she renamed it, not only is not only omnipresent, but also among the top steakhouses in every city it appears. Although the quality of the beef and the sizzling butter in which they are served were key to the appeal of the restaurant, those were already in place when she bought the place. What Ruth added to the formula was a set-in-stone, customer-is-right attitude among all the staff. If you were willing to pay Ruth's top dollar prices, you could have anything you wanted, within reason, without question. Well, she didn't exactly think of it as being within reason sometimes, but she gave it to him anyway. Like, she didn't understand some customer requests. Mm -hmm. I remember some stories that you had. Like, she didn't, she didn't really understand the cheese thing, right? Well, that was uh, just uh, something I'm sure she got all the time. There are a lot of people. Uh, you don't understand the cheese thing. <laughs> that have the idea... That if you plunk down uh, any big piece of, of meat or, or uh -huh. vegetable or anything, you can make it better by putting cheese, melted cheese, over the top of it. And this is like a given. This is something that you never let change. You, you put on the, the melted cheese, cheddar cheese, right over the yeah. top. Uh -huh. When clearly this only brings down how good the steak is or whatever else. But she said, you know. You know that when they want to put it on a steak, you know you're talking with some nutty people. You mean steak? They did it steak. with steak, too? Because yeah. I was about to say, you're sitting next to one of those people that think a burger is better with cheese on it. But a steak, too? Yeah, no, she was talking about uh, 
actually putting it on top of steak. She said, and, and they, people do it every now and then. And you know, that's got to be nuts. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> how she said it. Well, I think that, uh, I think a, a cheeseburger is definitely better than a plain burger. And uh, I defy anyone to say that potatoes au gratin isn't pretty great. Oh, you don't like them? No, I said oh, potatoes no. au gratin no. is great. I can't oh, imagine anyone well, uh, disputing that. Delicious. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, or a, a baked potato with cheese. I mean, you know, there are things that are made infinitely better with cheese, Tom. Okay. You know? Crackers, for example. If you say so. Yeah. Anyway, this is Ruth's Law today. Your rule number 378 you borrowed from Ruth. If you are spending more than $50 in a restaurant, you have the right to remain at the table as long as you please. That's what she said. She said and it's absolutely true. You walk into Ruth's Chris to this day. Yeah, well, it's not $50 anymore. If you're spending, you know, I mean, well, $50 just for the steak now, you know. Uh-huh. Those uh, were in the days when your whole tab would be $50, but now it's $50 just for the steak. Uh, it's about how it goes. Uh, yeah. Last last time I was there, I checked that to see what the deal was, and indeed. Yeah, I mean, indeed, it's, it's, it's it kind of de rigueur to see a steak for $50 now. Tom, tell me about hanger steak. That's your edible dictionary. Hanger steak, it comes from a cut of beef that is right about here. Okay, nobody can see that. You're, he's okay. talking about the breastbone. It's, yeah, a breastbone that doesn't really have one of these. It's some, something that the, the butchers like. It's the butcher's cut, and they— I'm already sorry I asked the question. Yeah, well, <laughs> it was—and um, uh, so that's what it did its lot of sales on. And it's still to this day, a lot of butchers will you know cut that out because it doesn't look good, uh -huh. but it is good. And it's not just on flavor. It's a beautiful cut of meat that's uh -huh. very, you know, you cut it in, make it nice save, and thick. I have to save that little poem that we had the other day where it's the person who feels empathy for what they're eating shouldn't eat anything at all. I have to save that poem because that is me. If you start talking about the particulars of how something arrived at the ta at the table on the plate in front of me that is me for sure today in 1924 henry mancini was born tom mancini. a composer i know you want to talk about that i i i would i wish i had it to chip the uh but how it goes. What are some of his songs? Uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's. He uh, did the yeah. score for that. A lot of a lot of uh, uh, music uh, from movies. Right. Uh, and, right. And a lot of just on his own. And there are a couple of them I really like. Uh, Mr. Lucky. Uh, Mr. Lucky. Yeah. Wasn't Mr. Lucky a theme song on your uh, show for a while, Mr. Lucky? I'd love to have it if I knew that any. If I had a well, according to you, Mr. Lucky was uh, your theme music for the food show on the radio yeah, for a number of years. I think that uh, I don't know Mr. Lucky at all, but I remember your my favorite. It was my, it was my theme song. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When was that? It had to be Early before. On. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say because when I arrived on the scene, you were using "Goodbye Columbus." Yeah. 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 Which maybe you ought to go back to. I like it by Columbus. I'll have to find it first. <laughs> 
Today is National Eggs Benedict Day. Oh. Are you a Benedict person or a Sardou person? You're a Benedict person, aren't and, you? Uh, Benedict? You're much more a Benedict person. Oh, yeah. I, and I especially like it if you take it another couple of steps. I was about steps. to say, if you invent your own Benedict, you like it even better, right? Yeah, you can, you can <laughs> add all kinds of things in there. How many Benedicts have you created at Matina Bella? Uh, that's that's my my my. We're going there next. Best, See, I I, I, I know what you're thinking, Tom. Yeah, what you do is you have the uh, uh, the hollandaise, and you have the poached egg, and you have uh, the mushrooms and the crab meat, mm-hmm. and you put this in ways together that you will immediately understand you will look at it oh okay i get the idea here and there it is you're eating it okay you know my favorite benedict is are you doing mr lucky you're trying to conjure up mr lucky (laughs) maybe we'll bring mr lucky back i I may actually Uh, have a cd of it in here you know it's funny that you're doing that tom because i got a text from a friend of mine last night that said he was really enjoying the podcast but maybe we need a little music to intro it would be so you good. could find Mr. Lucky maybe <clears throat> and, and see. All right, so back to Benedict. Uh, I have to say I am not a huge fan of that, except I um, I love the crab cake Benedict at Oxlot. Mm. It's spectacularly good because it's a real crab cake. Yeah. Yeah, and that uh, that Wait, did you say pineapple? That, no, I oh, said I, I said crab cake Benedict at Oxlot. Anyway, I'll I'll read what you have here about eggs Benedict. Eggs Benedict are the best known of the catalog of fancy poached eggs with sauce dishes popular at upscale breakfast places and brunch restaurants. Everybody's doing brunch now. Have you noticed that? Everybody's doing. Why it. is that? Do you think? Because it's cheap for the restaurants or what? Low food cost. <laughs> and, and, and and high desirability. Profit. People really want it. Yeah, yeah, and it's a classic. I mean, brunch has become a huge, huge part. As a matter of fact, I think that's all a chafalaya does until dinner. I think they do it every day now. A it's, chafalaya? Yeah, oh, it's, oh, it's, it's oh, like uh-huh. it's brunch. And there are p- places that are just brunch restaurants, which is interesting. But anyway, I'm I'm not a big fan of it, but I will certainly... Actually, you know what? When I, we go to a brunch, I usually wind up getting... Two eggs, bacon, and a biscuit. <laughs> oh well. Okay. I guess I'm. Probably I guess I'm really not a, a a brunch kind of well, plate person. Everything the same way every time. Yeah, nobody needs to do that. Anyway, okay. So um, poached eggs rest on Canadian. Okay, so you let me go back a little bit. Many stories exist as to who invented it or who it was named for. All the recipes are about the same. Poached eggs rest on Canadian bacon or ham, which in turn are atop English muffins on a hol- on a, or a Holland rusk. What is a Holland rusk? A, a rusk is a kind of a, it looks like a bun or a bagel. or It has that sort of shape. But when you get into it, you realize that it is um, almost impenetrable with a gun. Well, is it like a biscuit or something? What is it? Uh, no, it's uh, like it, you would it call it a very uh, dry, small biscuit. Yeah, you could call uh-huh. it that way. Okay. But it's uh, Wh- where it just gets in the way. Why is it me. called a Holland rusk, and what is it? Here's what you do with a Holland rusk: uh, you put it on your plate, and then you put the hollandaise or the any anything else. That's is that in the there. origin of the Holland? Uh, the Holland that I don't know okay. where that came from. Okay. But the um, 
what comes of this is, and this was really obvious at Brennan's, the old Brennan's. You would go in there for breakfast at Brennan's, and you'd get something that had anything with a lot of liquid in it. And there were quite a few things over there. And the, the risk will absorb all of that and keep the, uh, the risk. Rust. Rust, sorry. Uh, from uh, mushing up and getting to be a, a, a mash. So, so the idea of something that hard was to soften it right. and make it edible, but not to yes. make it like a pile of nothing. Right. Okay, and so that was the, the reason that you wanted it to be as, um, as, as, as tough as it was. Here was the, here was the deal. Uh, when you were making an egg dish like uh -huh. we are talking uh -huh. about, there's enough water in the egg itself when you're cooking it in certain va certain variations. Well, poached version for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, that's th why I, I that's realize that's why I don't eat that because I don't like poached eggs. Well, there's the problem. Yeah. And that's why uh, uh, a lot of that has been put on top of these they look Things. like. <laughs> well, just, just the name, just the name Rusk sounds kind of makes me think of like a like a, a rusty ship hull or something. Uh, anyway, Brennan's it's used so much of it. Is that right? In the uh, old, the old it, one? It or? didn't th is this isn't something that made it come down or anything. But they went through so much of it is that they actually had it piled up on the second or third floor. And no, I'm not <laughs> is kidding. That right, really? Yeah, yeah, they showed it to me. <laughs> Okay, so back to what you wrote here. Poached eggs rest on Canadian bacon or ham, which in turn are atop English muffins or a Holland rusk. Mm -hmm. The latter is a styrofoam-like bread that's resistant to the water that comes off the eggs. The whole thing is covered with hollandaise, and if you're in a really classy place, some slivers of a truffle. Where'd you ever get that, Brennan's? Uh, yeah, they used to run them all the time. Uh, I remember going to a wine dinner once, uh, and uh, I was going by to see what was going on and at the dinner. And uh, one of the Brennans, I forget which one, said, uh, why don't you, you, you want to be at the dinner? We, we've got a little bit of space. I said, sure. Uh -huh. and, and we went back and forth on that a little bit. But uh, went inside, and the chef came over, whose name I used to know. And they... <clears throat> uh, whichever the, the Brennan was... You're not talking about Lazone, are you? Lazone? Uh, no, that okay, wasn't Lazone. Lazone. Okay. Was, yeah. okay. So uh, they, uh, the chef of the moment handed it over to me, and he, he said, this is black truffles. This just came in. It's really great. And, uh, I, and he handed it to me, and I didn't go for it. And he said, it's okay. You can eat it. I said, well, you know, it's kind of expensive. And I said, well, we, we have one extra with these guys. Yeah. Um, and this bang, was bang. your first taste of mm -hmm. black truffle? I, it, 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 probably not, but it was a time when I, when, when I got it, I didn't remember ever having had it before. So I don't know how that... So it seemed like new. Okay, so uh, back to the story. We've always thought that the eggs on eggs aspect of the dish, because hollandaise is mostly eggs and butter, is peculiar, but we can't gain, say, the goodness of a well-made plate of eggs, Benedict. Main problem, not all cooks know how to poach eggs. Well, that's true. But, uh, you know, 
big deal. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, I do Benedict's, but I ask them to do the eggs sunny. The yolks should stand up like spheres, not flattened, and be completely covered with very thick hollandaise. And the ham or Canadian bacon should be grilled. The old kitchen sage says, usually the kitchen sage has something to say after you've written something like that, so I hope they're related. The kitchen sage says, when you want a light supper, nothing is as good as a well-made egg dish with a great sauce and something like crab meat, smoked salmon, or prosciutto. So I guess it's hard to argue with that. Eggs are cheap and they're delicious. Uh, pretty well. Yeah. Uh, one more thing on the, the truffles. Uh, the chef handed me over this thing that was about the size of a golf ball. And I thought, you know, but these things are expensive. And he says, eh, don't worry about it. We, yeah. uh, here, try it. And he picked it up and he, <laughs> and he oh, threw wow. it off. I caught it. And he came over and he fooled with it a little bit. And, I, and he said, what, what, do you, what do you think of that? What do you, well, how does that look to you? And he said, well, I told him, to tell you the truth, it doesn't have much of a taste. Oh, of no, anything. we're not going to go there. No, no. No, we're not going there. Okay, gout. I had a feeling we were trying to get there, but but I'm not going to let you get there. Is there something special in there? Uh, no, I know where that story's going. Okay, today in 2004, a large study of men with gout. It's almost exclusively a male ailment. Reveal that drinking alcoholic beverages contributes to the formation of uric crystals in the joint, which is what gives rise to the sharp pain. You haven't had that in a long time. What, goat, gout? Not goat. We've never had a goat, but gout. I have had it. <laughs> no, uh, that's nothing new to me. A, you never had a goat, but you have had gout geet. several times. And geats, too, yeah. <laughs> so, Tom, you have, it's been a long time. You know what it is? I think it's the fact that you've lost all that weight, you know, because you don't eat like you used to. I think you stopped having gout when you stopped being larger. I'll be kind, larger, Everybody and... Keeps telling me I'm getting bigger, but I'm not. I'm not, yeah. I'm really not. My that you're getting small. bigger? Who's telling you you're getting bigger? Nobody's Everybody telling you you're getting bigger. Everyone's telling you you're getting smaller. Another old kitchen sage says, there are two kinds of people in the world. Oh, no, 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 that's from yesterday. Oh, Tom, I was just, I picked up a piece of paper from yesterday about the corn, so last night, last night, I said that I just, the, what the old kitchen sage said yesterday was that there are two kinds of people in the world. One that eats corn by going round and round, and the other one that eats corn in a linear fashion, and that there are two separate kinds of people and never the twain shall meet. And so I just made a prediction based on 31 years of history that I eat corn. I know how I eat corn, but I'll bet that Tom eats corn a different way because he didn't remember which kind he was. And sure enough, we had corn last night, and I'm here to report <laughs> Tom, Tom is a linear corn eater, and I am a round and round corn eater. Everybody has a different idea about that. Well, just two. There's, mm -hmm. there's just the two. And according to your almanac yesterday, the world is divided into two distinctly different groups of people, and I predicted that we were on opposite sides, which, of course, we were. Anyway, mm. just a little guessed? update. For, I would have guessed. <laughs> just a little update from yesterday on, uh, on the corn. Okay, today in 1958, the winemaking episode of I Love Lucy aired. Do you remember the one <clears throat> where they were standing in the, in the great vat with their oh yeah off. yeah yeah that's famous we had a really fun show i don't know maybe 
six months ago about favorite episodes of I Love, Us I Love Lucy that involved food. And there were three or four of them, and we had people guessing them. Do you remember that one? Yeah, but just vaguely. I uh, starting at the time when I was about twelve or thirteen. I didn't go. I didn't watch TV anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay. So right. I a lot of that would have gotten past me. Okay, Saint Drew. In French, D R O G O though was a hermit who lived in Belgium in the twelfth century, and he is the patron saint of coffee house owners. You know, coffee houses. In America, I think coffee houses had that distinction of being a, a place of hanging out. I don't drink coffee at all, so I don't really know because no. I don't hang out in coffee houses. But, but um, when you think about it, in Europe, coffee houses as hangouts have been around for, I don't know, maybe millennia. Well, uh, there's a book you can read about this that'll tell you about in in um, errors, not errors. Well, how do I say this? Era, era. Era, yeah, yeah. Errors, and okay. it, it would go one after another. And it would... Uh, I went I, to I Vienna. I was in Vienna yeah. last, I don't know, oh, yeah. two, two years ago. And... Um, well, I remember being in Vienna. <laughs> you know that story, don't you? <laughs> no, I really don't. But anyway, oh. uh, so... Uh, so I think I want to hear it off the air, though. But uh, I remember going to the coffee house uh, where Freud hung out. And when we were in Venice, we went to the coffee house where Dickens hung out. So I guess coffee houses are supposed to make you smarter in some way. Hmm. I don't know. Anyway, that's a wrap for Tom Foodery for the 16th of April. Thank ah. you for joining us and join us tomorrow. Thank you. And now I will look for the other thing I w we were looking on to yeah, you can get to work on that. All right. All right.